Hello, and welcome to episode 83 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And today we're going to be talking Amonkhet Remastered and talk about specific cards out of the set. Uh, just to uh, let you know what we think of some of them and that you might not have got to play before. Yep, we uh, had posted something in our Discord last week and figured we'd just kind of expand upon it a little bit of cards that are noteworthy being injected into Historic. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to get at us uh, with your decks or questions or whatever, you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can also email us at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. We have a TCG player affiliate link. That's tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link will throw us a little, what do you call that? Uh, cash back, not cash back. Oh, what's the word for it? Kickback? Uh, sure. Commission? Yeah, whatever it is. We'll get a little cut and uh, help keep the show going. If you want to help us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Our patrons get early access to show notes. I try and post them the day before the show goes live. And we also record a pre-show, which is just kind of us. We don't really technically record a pre-show. Um, but we do spend some time talking to each other, getting the mics set up and everything. And, you know, because of COVID and all, we don't get much of a chance to see each other anymore. So our catch up time is before we record every week. So you get to listen in on us like, uh, you're spying on us or something. It's kind of creepy if you think about it. It is. It is what, it's what the people want. That's what they want. And if you, you know, throw us a couple bucks on Patreon, you can get it too. Um, we also have a Patreon only finance room in our discord where we throw up, um, like any specs or market movement that we think is may happen or is happening. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, you can sign up for Patreon and get over there as well. Uh, speaking of discord, we have our own discord server. Um, there's a link on Twitter. There's a link in the description. There's a link on Facebook. If you can't find any of those links, you can shoot us an email, shoot us a message, whatever you want, and we will send you a personal invite. So hop on over. There's a lot of, a lot of cool people that hang out there. Yeah. Uh, I know we had plans for a YouTube video. I blame me. I spent like 15 hours editing school videos. Yeah. And I, we did not have time to do that. One day, though, we got Completely. You. Mandible. I uh, I actually didn't play a whole lot of limited this weekend. I didn't play my first limited game until last night. I spent most of the weekend in historic. And I think that's kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Okay. But uh, yeah, if you guys got any anything you want to see or want to hear us talk about, show ideas or decks or whatever, um, get at us any of those places. Content's probably going to be a little light until. We start getting Zendikar spoilers. Yeah. So if there's next couple of weeks, if there's anything you guys want to hear about, please let us know. Yes, please. Yep. So the big news on Arena was Amonkhet remastered. Mm-hmm. So you said you played one sealed? Uh, no, I actually played a couple of them last night, but I didn't play okay. any until last night. I think I played four or five of them. Gotcha. But I think they changed the sealed payout, though. Six wins to get your gems back does seem like it's more. I yeah. used to feel like it was like four or five, like you had to just get over even. 
Yeah, well, I thought it was five, but yeah, now it's six. Yeah, that seems less than good. Yeah. So I'll be honest, I have opened zero Amonkhet Remastered packs. Yeah. I just set it to Amonkhet. Yeah. And I went through and just basically got all the cards that I thought were good or I would play, and then I was done. And I was yeah, like, you just yep. blew your wild cards? Yeah, I mean, I've still got more than enough. Yeah. But I was like, okay, like I need Thought Seizes. Yep. But yeah, I... I've unfortunately not got a chance to play, um, mm-hmm. but what was your feeling? Was the sealed format aggressive um, or is it your normal sealed? That's kind of a tough question. The aggressive decks, I think, are a little bit harder to build, but they're much better than the dirtily mid-range decks. Okay. So if you can get a pool that like has a good curve and can apply some good pressure, um, you're probably going to do better than if you try and you know, one for one and dirtle around through the mid game. The ones that I had the best luck with were certainly like red, white and red, black. Yeah. I played that, uh, GPI day dude. I had Mm -hmm. a red, white, like exert deck was my sealed pool with one green card. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So That's a good one. That was a good one. We cast it like one time and we got someone. But the rest of the time it was dead. (laughs) I think I had two forests in my deck. I was like, it's fine. Um, (laughs) Not the best built sealed pool. Yeah. But yeah. So we wanted to go through, and since there's a bunch of cards that are being added to historic and Mm -hmm. like potentially being added to that are going to be in pioneer when it, when pioneer happens. Right. Uh, we wanted to go through decks, uh, cards that would be worth looking at getting or mm-hmm. just keeping an eye on maybe like rare drafting if you're going to do some drafts, if you see it like late in a pack, yep. just so you make sure that you have them for when you want to do your your historic or your pioneer deck. Mm-hmm. So the first one I put on here was Anointed Procession. Yeah, how are we going to break Anointed Procession? I don't know if it's like breakable so this is what is this four mana three and a white that whenever you make a token you make a second token yeah yeah so it was a standard deck with hidden stockpile like you would hidden stockpile was like black white you sack something you make a servo and you scry one yeah and so you would like pay a mana sack something make two servos scry one um Mm -hmm. It's a card that like has a standard pedig- pedigree and could find a home. I think it has a home if you play like if historic brawl takes off. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely a brawl card. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we even got commander at some point. Like they they did that uh, hundred card singleton event. Like I mean, that's pretty close to. Yeah. Like you could do like one v one commander. Yeah. I do kind of want to expand on what you said, though, is we, we did have a standard deck at one point that used Anointed Procession. Yeah. But think about that deck and think about the power level of the cards printed in the last two years. This is fair. Like, that deck was tiny edges. Yeah. And grinding out value. It and wasn't, now you just play hero. Yeah, it wasn't a four-mana 6-6 six, six, uh 
rampant growths and draws you a card. Right. <clears throat> I just had a thought. Yeah. Could you ever imagine telling someone in, I don't know, 2003, there was going to be a card that you had to exile six cards from your graveyard or five cards from your graveyard, uh-huh. but it was a four mana six, six that cast like draw a card, a healing salve and rampant <laughs> growth. Well, it was explorer and healing self, right? Okay, explorer and healing spell. Fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like like that's every just, time it attacked. Yeah, just mind boggling. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. anointed procession might just be, you know, boomer magic from 2016. <laughs> boomer magic from 2016, sure. Yeah. The um, like the other thing is, it's a four mana do nothing enchantment, right? Yeah, and now our four mana do nothing enchantments pay for themselves immediately. The, yes. I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is both of them like by the end of the turn, you've gotten your investment back out of that card, and Anointed Procession won't until the next turn at the very earliest. Yeah, and like you have to build your deck in such a way to like take advantage of the token thing. Yeah. So and like I think that's like i have you know my notes on the card say it's abusable but how yeah and that's kind of what i meant is like i think in order for this card to be good we've got to find some way to break it and the only way to break it i think is by making like mass amounts of something and then like using it and the two things that come to my mind are food and treasure you can was it revel in riches for treasure revel in riches yeah yeah so, I mean, maybe, but this seems like kind of a stretch. Kind of, yeah. So next and there's up, really nothing you can do with food. Yeah. Gain three life, big deal. There's no, like, yeah. alt-win-con. Right. And, like, by the time that you get enough food to, like, bring back Feasting Troll King for free, you could have just cast it. Right. So next up is one that's near and dear to my heart, which is Approach of the Second Sun. Mm-hmm. Seven mana, gain seven. If it's the first time you cast it, put it seven cards down. If it's the second yep. time you cast it, you win the game. Mm-hmm. This is everything blue-white control wants for a finisher. Yeah, it's That's really hard. That's not five mana to fairy. Yeah, it's really hard to interact with. Yeah. Right? It's not... the fir- If it gets countered the first time, it doesn't matter because it's just right. cast Yep. Uh, for the second time. Mm-hmm. You know what I just thought of right now as we're talking about this? Uh, Golos. I was going to say Faya Wishes. Oh, you just go get it with Faye? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people are like playing approach decks with Golos now. Oh, where you're just, okay. Where you're just spinning the wheel and you hit one. Yeah. And seven down and then you know you spin the wheel twice and you win. Right. So it's like, hmm. Makes sense too. Yeah. So, so are they like uh, Chromatic Lantern decks? I don't remember. I just like remember seeing a picture of like Golos and then like approach. And I was yeah. like, hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember exactly what was around it. It might have been yeah. like a field deck where you also had approach as like a backup win con. Yeah. Dusk Dawn. Mm-hmm. So what is it? Dusk is kill everything three or more uh, power. Uh, yeah. Power three or more for four mana. Uh, right. So then we have Dawn, which is bring all creatures from your graveyard back to your hand that have converted mana. Is it converted mana cost two or less? No, I think it's power. It's power? I think so. I've played this in like uh, rally decks. 
as mm-hmm. like a way to refill your hand after you've like sacked everything in a rally. You're like, okay, rally everything back, sack it all. All yep. right, now I'm going to cast Dawn from my graveyard to refill. It's also good with like a Stitcher Supplier, mm-hmm. right? Because it's going to mill it over and then bring all those right. little creatures that you're playing in like your sacrifice deck back. Yep. And like the front side is not dead. Yeah, right? I mean, especially in a world of Nyssa. Yeah. Know, it wipes up all the elemental lands and uro and yeah uh questing beast just gets, takes care of all that stuff yep next up is uh the bane of every modern storm player's uh, life <laughs> gideon of the trials yeah so three mana gideon yep. um this is kind of your your combo answer in a lot of formats mm-hmm. so it's neg is you get an emblem that says you can't lose the game as long as you control a Gideon, like what they can't win and you can't lose. Well, is that is what it is? A, it was zero. Was it? But is is oh, is it? It's a zero, but it's an emblem. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you control Gideon Planeswalker, you can't lose the game. Yeah. So that is how, for the longest time in Pioneer, that Blue White Control dealt with Inverter. Yep. Is they would resolve a Gideon, and now you have to actually kill the Gideon before mm-hmm. you can uh, win the game with your combo. Right. Uh, so um, I think that he you also... Can... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that it would have a place in Historic and, you know, Pioneer going forward for any of the Thassa Oracle's shenanigans. Yeah, if that's a thing that, you know, continues to exist, I kind of think Historic's in a place that's moving a little bit away from, especially with Thought Seas now. I don't know if like the Thassa's Oracle song decks are going to be a thing anymore. It's still fine and best of one speaking from experience, but I did like scoop a game to a thought series. I was like, well, yeah. we're done. I had many, 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 many thought seasons cast against me this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I was playing mostly best of three, but yeah, not surprising. Yeah. We'll get to thought season in a second. Yep. Next up, Rest um, in Peace is your best graveyard hate? Yep. Uh, two mana exiles both graveyards and prevents anything from going to the graveyard. Just sends it right to exile. Yeah. So I had kind of a funny story that I sent you about this playing sealed over the weekend. I opened a pool that had this and Scavenger Grounds, which also exiles graveyards. And I was in white black, so I could have played them both. I decided that it wasn't worth the slot in my deck to play either of them. And first round, I got hit with God Pharaoh's Gift. <laughs> Oops. You're like, oh, man, you know what I could really use here? Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah. So uh, we have my pet card, Solemnity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which makes it so you can't put counters on permanence. Yep. And that works really well with nine lives. Yeah, as long as that's the way that your opponent's planning on beating you, yes. Yeah. If they are going to Thassa's Oracle you, less yeah. good. Doesn't doesn't matter a whole lot. Or approach you. But mm-hmm. if they're just going to like attack, you can just make it so you don't take damage anymore for the rest of the game. Yeah. It doesn't stop loss of life either, right? I don't remember how Nine Lives is actually worded. Yeah, I, th- I think it's damage. I don't think it's loss okay. of life. So, not that that matters a whole lot, but there are a couple things that 
do life loss instead of damage. I guess it's awful against questing beasts. Oh, yeah. Because damage can't be prevented. <laughs> yeah. You're like nine lives, and they're like, kill you. But, but you, you're not supposed to be able to. <laughs> you're not supposed to be able to. Oh, oh. Read, read the second paragraph on questing beast. Yeah. Oh. You should, should have told my boy Questy B here. Yeah, that you can't lose the game. Yeah. Next up is a card that just makes me angry that it's on the list. <laughs> and we had to is, talk about it though, right? It is. We do. But that's yeah. Wrath of God? Yeah. Like, why? Like, Wrath of God, it fill, it checks, checks the box for iconic card. Mm-hmm. But it also, like, it doesn't fit into Pioneer. Right. It already kind of has a replacement or an analog in Shatter the Sky. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't understand why they put this card into Historic. Well, I mean, we also have Settle. We have Settle. Yeah, we have a bunch of four mana Wrath adjacent things. And we have Kaya's Wrath. Yeah. So I don't understand, like, why they put this card in here. Not so much for, like, oh, I don't want to play against more Wrath of God effects, but more just, like, why, like, people are going to spend wild cards on this and then at some point people are going to stop caring about historic. I put that right. point when pioneer becomes a thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I just don't understand. Like this almost seems like a wasted slot other than like, it's an iconic card. So when people want to know why you say wrath, your board, mm-hmm. it's what was because of wrath of God. It's got some pretty cool art. Yeah. Maybe that's a reason. Maybe I mean the rest in piece. <laughs> the rest in piece art was real good. The rest in piece art was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next, I might have lost my mind. This is more of a, a modern choice, I guess. Like I saw it and I was like, "Oh yeah, this card." But then James was like, "I, I don't know what it does." <laughs> and that is Asphodel, which is a yeah, three so mana, what? three mana do nothing enchantment. Oh yeah, I'm thinking new perspectives. Yeah, Asphodel is a three mana do nothing enchantment. Yes. That yep. lets you cast a spell on each turn that yep. has converted mana costs equal to or less than the number of are they fate counters or some yeah some some sort of weird counter. counter. And I was like, oh yeah, this card, but there's really nothing broken to do with it in historic <laughs> or pioneer at this point. So this yeah. might have just be being a little overhyped for oh yeah, I can cast zero mana spells and it's like if there aren't any. Like yeah. I could cast Ornithopter. <laughs> so Woohoo! Woohoo. Yeah. Next up is a uh, a staple, I think, going forward, and that's going to be Sensor. Yeah. So it's a two-mana force spike. It counters a, pel- a spell unless your opponent plays one, but it also cycles. So it's a force spike that's good early, and you can turn it into something relevant once mana has developed. You can cycle it early to hit your land drop. Mm-hmm. Right? Then you can cycle it late when they like cast their five drop with three extra lands. Right. So it's like, it's in that sweet spot where it makes them play a little bit off curve, maybe mm-hmm. on turns two, three, and four. Yeah. And it kind of buys you the time that you need, even if you don't end up casting it, like just the yeah. threat of it sometimes is enough to have people be like, well, I'm going to cast my three drop on four just to make sure it resolves. And like, if they do that and you're like, well, I need action now you can just cycle it after they cast their three drop on four and be like, okay, well I got some value out of this because they're behind a turn. They wasted a mana and now I'm going to get a card out of this. Yep. 
the next one I was super excited for, and that was Champion of Wits. Mm-hmm. So I got all the pieces for Godfarer's gift. In foil, right? Well, for I had them in foil for Pioneer, yeah. but on Arena on, oh, on Arena. Saturday night or yeah. Thursday night or something, one day I was like, I'm going to play some Godfarer's gift. And so I had Champion of Wits. I had all the cyclers. I was just like blue red, so my mana was good. Mm-hmm. I got clowned so yeah. hard. Did you get my message the other night? I forget if it was last night or Saturday night. Uh, the last one I had from you was about how you didn't play your uh, uh, rest in pieces. Okay. Uh, Caleb D. was okay. streaming. He was brewing God Pharaoh's Gift and streaming the whole thing. He went through like 10 different iterations of the deck, like a, built it a couple different ways. He built a combo with Combat Celebrant. I had Combat Celebrant. More, yeah, he w- built built it more control. He built it more mill, a whole bunch of different ways. Okay. I kind of a neat stream. I did not see that. I built it with Combat Celebrant, but then everything else in the deck had cycling. Mm-hmm. So I could put it in the graveyard for free. Yeah. It was too slow for the aggressive. I was playing best of one. It was too slow for the aggressive decks. Yeah, and I had a game where my opponent went Uro, put in Bajuka Bog, then play Scarab God the next turn. Oh boy! Had another game where my opponent I uh, was playing Mono Black Lantern, like Chromatic Lantern. Yeah. Golos get a Bajuka Bog. <laughs> I was just like, this is this is awful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like the first game I played with it, I comboed the guy out, no problem. Then lost like the next 10 matches. Ooh. Or something. Like my, I was one win from Diamond. Yeah. And now I'm plat two. Uh, <laughs> you lit that rank on lit fire. Lit that rank on fire. That was the night that Arena stopped working. Oh, yeah. So, like, that was my saving grace. I think that was Friday night. Was that was my saving grace because uh, I was yeah. just incinerating my rank as I was sitting there, yeah. trying to figure out like what I was doing wrong. But it just felt too slow mm-hmm. uh, for for the aggressive decks. But yeah. Champion of Wits was still awesome in the deck. I mean, it's still a good card. Yeah, I would be surprised if it didn't find a home somewhere at some point. Yeah, but it was just like, oh, this is just not working out well for me. It's a fun card to play, too, because it gives, like, aside from being a good card, it's a fun card to play just because it gives you, like, a lot more decision points for you to hopefully make good decisions and, you know, gain some percentage points in the, in the game. Yeah, and it also gives, uh, like, it gives your opponent, like, okay, do I, do I trade with this? Do I attack into it to get it off the board, knowing it's going to come back? Do I not? Uh, when I was in uh, the GP where I played God Pharaoh's Gift, yeah. Uh, my opponent in day two made it abundantly clear he was never going to trade with any of my little creatures. Yeah. And like, so I boarded differently in game two because he mm-hmm. just refused to trade with anything. Right. To not turn on, to not like fuel my gate to the afterlife. Yep. And so, like, that just gives you, like, that's a, like this deck and like you know a card like a card like Champion of Wits is giving both sides decisions to make, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know Uro turn it sideways because 
nothing bad can happen. And yep, your that's how you get your value. Yeah, and your opponent's decisions are, oh, God, I have to kill this. Oh, God, how do I kill this? <laughs> oh, I didn't yeah. kill it. I die. So, yeah, right. this is like, oh, I can. It's just a 2-1. If I block it, uh, then they can bring it back later. And so it just it, it gives you a lot of game to it. Yep. Next up here, I have uh, Drake Haven. I thought this card was so cool when it got spoiled, and then it really didn't do anything in standard. I don't really know if it has a home in Historic either. I don't know. I just thought it was a cool card. So it's three mana. If you cycle something, you pay one and make a 2-2? Yeah, I think so. 2-2 Flying Drake. Yeah. I think it just runs into the problem where they... We had... what, What block was it that had Astral Slide? And then the, the the lightning the the one that like dealt damage, um, like years ago. Yeah, right. onslaught, onslaught. Yeah, something like that. They didn't pay. There was no mana associated with them. Right. It just happened. It just happened, and so that was way too good. Mm-hmm. But when you tack when you tack mana onto the ability, right, it's not good enough. Right. Right, so it might just be something that you can't develop to be good. Because, mm-hmm. like, the right cost might be a half a mana. Right. And we, we don't get do half that. manas. We get a whole or none. And, right. like, if it was none, right, could you imagine, like, you play your Drake Haven and then on turn three, cycle, or turn four, cycle, 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 cycle. Yeah. And you get four 2 2 flyers. Yeah. And, like, you hit your land drop and it's just great. But, like, you know, one cycle, make a Drake, hope that's your land drop so you can cycle again and get two. It's just not nearly as good. Yep. We also, speaking of cycling, we have a Curator of Mysteries. Yeah. It's a four mana, four, four with cycling and lets you scry. Yeah. If you cycle, if you discard a card or cycle, you get to scry. So it just helps you dig deeper. And it's just a four mana, four, four flyer. Yep. So it's kind of like Sphinx of Foresight. Mm-hmm. Right, where it it just works on cycling. Yep. Um, if there is like a historic cycling deck, like you just have better cyclers now. Oh yeah, and across a bunch of different colors, like you you you're not necessarily tied to red white. Like you can experiment a little bit. Yeah, because like you know, if you wanted to do like the was it the Ken Yukihira deck that had um, what is it called, Fiend Artisan? Yeah, right. Like you yeah, have a bunch of good creatures now. You ha- yeah, you have a bunch of black creatures that you can cycle. So you could be like red black, yep. or you could be white black. Uh, so that you have like the two in air quotes uh, flourishing foxes. Right. We have fox and fiend artisan, but now you're not like a three color deck because you well, have. I mean, four. you get three of them. Oh, the three. the black thing. That's yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, I guess that was coming up. Yeah, it's in the notes. Uh, Hieroglyphic Illuminations. Mm-hmm. This is a common that is like occasionally modern playable. Yeah, um, I mean not not just occasionally. Like it it does see modern play. Like blue white plays this card. So it's three and a blue for an instant draw two cards. But and it, has, it also cycles for one. Yeah, is is blue right? Yep. Yeah. So it um. So, like, it is effectively, you know, opt early in the game 
and it's, you know, chemistry's in sight late in the game. Yep. Or it can be like, I spent four mana on something and I have a mana left over. I'm going to cycle my hieroglyphic illumination. So the yep. fact that it has that one mana activated ability allows you to slide it in at a mm-hmm. bunch of different points on the curve. It can help you hit your land drops early in the game, or it can help you kind of like refuel late in the game. So it has that flexibility. Yep. You know, it's like a split card, one mana draw a card, four mana mm-hmm. draw two cards. Yep. Another card that I have no idea why this is here. <laughs> yeah. Did you like my note here? Y- yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's Pact of Negation. Yep. So this card has a zero. It costs zero mana to cast. Yep. It is blue. It is blue. <laughs> it says right on the card. It is blue. <laughs> um, and at the next, and it counters a spell. So zero mana counter a spell. Yep. On your next upkeep, you have to pay three blue blue, or you lose the game. It's a steep downside. What it do you do to negate that downside? You just win the game when you cast it. <laughs> exactly. Like that is what this card does in like modern and legacy. Yeah. Is just okay, protects combo. Yeah, I have to resolve the spell. I'm going to cast Pact of Negation now. Yep. And if my pact resolves, I win the game. Yeah. And if it doesn't resolve, I lost the game anyway. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Right. So you just make basically make your opponent have a second spell a second counter spell. When you play yep. Pact. So I don't know where, I don't know what decks in Pioneer want this card. Yeah, I don't either. Like, or I mean, what, the problem. Or, or in Historic, I mean. What decks in yeah, Historic? Yeah, Historic. Want? Like, the only deck that would come close is your Song of Creation deck. And that, that deck's, like, not fast enough to need Pact. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, usually it, uh, Usually your opponent is tapped out. Yeah. Now the times that it's not, they're not tapped out. Like Pact would be great, but yeah, I've I've just been playing best of one again. Like <laughs> I will fully cop to that, and like you just race goblins and stuff, right? Like, you know, and every so often you run into something else, but you're just like, yeah, cool, goblins. Mm-hmm. I can I can do this. Like song also also works differently than most of the decks that use this. Like a, a lot of times when you're trying to cast a pact. It's after you've drawn like a reasonable portion of your deck. So you don't need to start with it in hand. Like you start your combo, draw a large portion of your deck. And then when you go to use your win con, then you have the pack for backup. Yeah. Like kind of like you, you're casting your card up front, like the card that's going to win you the game you're casting up front. And yeah, you have to have this in your hand and it doesn't yeah. matter if you draw into it later. Right. Because they would have never let the first card resolve. Right. They wouldn't have been like, okay, we'll let that resolve, but then we're going to wait and counter your Thassa's Oracle. They yeah. would have countered your first spell, especially if they knew that the deck was playing packed. Right. Because they'd be like, oh, I can't let them draw their whole deck because they're going to have three packs and blow me out. Right. Yeah, so I don't know like what this is here for. This doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a card that anyone was like clamoring for. Right. I mean, I kind of feel like it's like the um, Platinum Angel thing, or it's just mm-hmm. like, Platinum Angel's cool. Like, well, what does it do? Well, it's Platinum Angel. <laughs> it's like, Pact of Negation's cool. Okay, like, what what good does it do in this format? Um, it's Pact of Negation. <laughs> yeah. In the card file, we're done. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's 
you're right. It's like Platinum Angel. It's like Wrath of God. Like it doesn't do anything that's fun. You know what I mean? And like this, the games that those spells resolve aren't going to be fun games. I mean, Wrath, like I think the Wrath effect is like important for control decks. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, like we've got, like we said, we have so many of that effect. And I yeah. assume when we put Pioneer on Arena, they're right. going to put a Supreme Verdict. Probably. So, like, why on earth do we need, like, five different versions of a four-mana Wrath? So you can play Mono Wraths? Woo! <laughs> I forgot that was a thing that I would want to do. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. now I remember. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. So this is secretly the James <laughs> Karsten Limited Invitational card. This next one. Sure. It's uh, my homeboy. You know, I was super early on this train. This I made this cool before any of the pros did. You did. Uh, <laughs> did. Slitherblade. One of and us so, was appalled that you put it in your um, uh, sealed your sealed deck. Yeah. And then the other one was you. <laughs> <laughs> You're acting like I only had one copy in that sealed deck. <laughs> did you have like three or something? Yeah, I had three. Yeah. Uh. Uh, but it then became the best thing to do in Amoncat Limited. It, yeah, I mean, it was the best archetype to draft. So, in case you don't know, in case you're not an old-timey paper boomer like us. <laughs> um, so, Slither Blades were like, they would go around and they would be, you know, 7th, 8th, ninth picks. Right. So, early on, you would take good interaction... Mm-hmm. And then at the towards the end of the draft, you'd start grabbing slither blades and pants. Yep. Usually, like ideally, like the blue cartouche, and I think yeah. they also like were like blue white sometimes and played the white cartouche, right? Mm-hmm. So you would just I saw play, some blue red versions that ran the red cartouche also. Yeah, but you would just play. You get all your like slither blades like t- uh, really late in the draft, and then a bunch mm-hmm. of pants for them. And you'd play a low land count and some interaction. Yep. And just like be like, all right, Silverblade, pants. And then, you know, at that point, I think that was in the like all common removal was like four or five mana or something. Yeah, it was. So like a card like Sensor was just a beating because Mm -hmm. you put like one mana and then put two pair of pants on your Silverblade. And they mm-hmm. were like, five mana removal spell. And you were like, censor it. Now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. So this was popularized by Christian Calcano. Mm-hmm. Um, the calculator. The calculator. And it's a one-two, which secretly yeah. is super important in a world of chain whirlers. Right. So like the, the whatever the merfolk guy is, that's a one-one unblockable. Mm-hmm. Like he gets owned by a... Uh, a thing, chain a, uh, a chain whirler, but Slitherblade doesn't. Right. The See? reason that I brought this card up, you know, not just to talk about limited, was that I think there, there may be a new version of the Curiosity deck or the Mono Blue Poopers deck because we have a bunch of Curiosities now, right? We got Curious Obsession. We have the green one from Amonkhet. We've got the blue white two mana one, Staggering Insight. Like there's a whole bunch of curiosity effects, and yeah. like now we have another unblockable guy, cheap threat. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there's three, right? There's obsession, yeah. curiosity, and yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, like something like this where the the mono blue deck that just wanted to like stick a threat, protect it, and draw all the cards, like this is perfect in that. If you're a Christos and want to do that kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean if you are green blue or blue green, you have the the green curiosity that's in this set. And you there, Oh, I green, guess the Did the they reprint yeah. was it it's not Keen Sense. Did they reprint it's, that uh, one? The one that was from this block. Yeah, but did they reprint it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you would I, have I a bunch of them. Keen Sense? I forget what it was called. I, Keen Sense was the original one. Like, okay. Uh, the one where like there was the uh, the rope ladder coming down and they were climbing up. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This is the one with the girl's a, face. Yeah. I forget what it's called. The content you're here for, folks. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. What's that card? So while he's looking that up, uh, we have another just common cycler, Striped Riverwinder. It's like a six mana or seven mana, five, five Hexproof that cycles right. for blue. Basically, it only has text cycles for blue. So that card it's a is big, big thing, though. It is a big thing. It's a it's good to make a four four hexproof guy with uh, your Godfarer's gift. Yep. Then we have uh, Supreme Will, which is uh, two and a blue for like counter a spell unless they pay four, or look at the top four cards of your library and put one in your hand. Yeah, I think it's four. Yeah, so it's like a it's a split card. It's like a an impulse mana leak split card, but basically an extra mana on each. Mm-hmm. That is good, like in control decks. Four mana to to pay four mana is almost always a hard counter. Yeah, I so, mean unless you're playing against Uro, right? Unless you're playing against Uro or Nissa, but it's almost always a hard counter. And when it's not, or when you need to hit a land drop or something, yeah. you have that ability. You have that flexibility. It's a sixth sense. Sixth sense. There we go. Yep. Yep. It was a sense. There was a sense involved. Yeah. I give us half credit. <laughs> I mean, I knew what I was talking about. Yeah, I knew what you're talking about too. I knew the art and everything, but I just didn't know its name. Yeah. Uh, this one you put on here, and it totally slipped my mind, and I'm disappointed in myself. <laughs> I saw yep. it, and I was like, "Sweet, another clone," and then forgot about my boy Garuda. That's right. Who got effectively banned out of all the formats I would play him in in paper. Um, well, I mean, you can still put him in your main deck. I can. Just not as much fun as always having him there waiting on me. I mean, that deck played him in the main deck anyway, right? Yeah, I played three in the main. Yeah. Plus, it had the one sexy boy in the sideboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Vizier of Many Faces, two blue blue for a clone. Right. And then it embalmed for three blue blue. Yeah, like, it was uh, a little yeah, bit I more. Think so. Yep. It's even. So, it Vizier. does let you copy it with Garuda. So, it gives you more spark doubles now it doesn't have the like if it's a legend ignore the legendary the legend rule like spark double but it does give you a way to just like churn through yeah and make copies of gyrudas to like churn through your deck or churn through your opponent's deck yeah i mean as far as i know spark double is the only one that does that right yes even like an older formats that have access to all of them. I think Spark Double is the only one. I think that Spark Double is the only one that does it. Yeah. Because yeah. the one that's like $150 just like retains the ability and is a legend itself. Yeah. Like it, cha- it, it attain- retains the ability to change. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that if you want to just like, I've not seen anyone play like the Gyruda deck like ever, but mm-hmm. it was fun. Yep. 
Like, it's definitely a thing you could do and not be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And it has a good win con because Crater Hoof is even. Yeah. Um, And, uh, oh, you could just, like, Crater Hoof and then just keep, I guess you'd have to end on Crater Hoof. But, yeah, you just end up making a massive Crater Hoof, hopefully. Yeah. But you also have the backup win con of just milling your opponent out. Right. Before you pass the turn. And, like, if you can consistently, like, turn four or five Garuda, like, in Historic, you can race, like, Goblins. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the other, like, I don't know about the best of three decks, but you can just, like, race Goblins. Goblins pretty much does not exist in best of three. Okay, that's what I thought. Yep. I don't think I, I played best of three historic for the majority of the weekend. And I don't think I saw goblins even once. That is so weird. Yep. Like Mux it's is, just too easy to hate out. It is. It is. That's what we talked about before. It's like 36 creatures. Yeah. Like you, it, it's whatever. Yeah. And it needs like specific goblins to work. So if you just take care of those goblins, like the deck doesn't work. Yeah. So, but yeah, Vizier, many faces, is interesting and the fact that you can bring it back. Yeah. Like if you like Gyruda and then like stall out or something, you can just the next turn bring it back. Start and the like chain again. Restart the chain and see if you can like combo off. Yep. Here's one that this is all you. I had not thought of any of these things. When, <laughs> and then you put it down. I was like, oh, those are good ideas. This is why he's a podcast host. That's what. Hey, you're a podcast host too. Uh, barely. <laughs> uh, demonic Pact. So it's two black black for an enchantment. And every turn you have to pick one of the abilities. And one of them is draw two cards. Uh, One is your opponent discards two cards. One of them is... I don't remember. Oh, man. I don't remember. There's four things. I don't remember what the other one is. And then the last one is you lose the game. You so it's three good game. things and a really bad thing. The so... worst thing some would say. Here we go. <laughs> Deals four damage to any target you gain for life. Opponent okay. discards two cards. Yeah. Draw two cards. Yeah. Lose the game. Lose the game. So what had been done with this card in the past is you donate it or harmless offering or whatever. So you use up the good modes and then give it to your opponent and they have to use the bad mode. It also kind of works if you can sacrifice it before you have to lose the game. So kind of like, was it Treacherous Blessing or whatever from Theros? It was yeah. two and a black, draw three cards, and every time you cast a spell, you lose a life. You can use Demonic Pact alongside things like Doom Foretold or Corvold, where you're like actively looking to sacrifice your stuff that like may or may not be even creatures. So you can get all the good parts out of it and then sacrifice it before it kills you. You have to wait till you till your upkeep mm-hmm. to, for it to trigger. Because I was gonna say the other thing you could do with it is Yorion. Mm-hmm. Right? You just reset it. You do like good mode, good mode, good mode, blanket. Yeah. Just reset, then you get to do yeah. it again. Yeah, well I think the Doom Foretold decks are Yorion decks anyway, though, aren't they? Yeah, I think they are now too. Yeah. Doomfall. Like, yeah, I like this card. Yeah, secretly it was like one of the best un- best cards in that red-black yeah. deck at the end of that standard. 
so like unassuming too. You look at it and you're like, well, three mana. I don't want to do either of those things for three mana. But when you get your choice, it's just utility. It's great. Yeah. It's a two two and a black. You can make your opponent exile a creature, or you can look at their hand to make them exile a card. Yeah. So it's just, it just gives that flexibility against control. You get to take a card, and against aggro decks, you get to kill a creature. Yep. It's a another card, kind of like Champion of Wits, that leads to things that I like out of magic where like it, it gives me the opportunity to make a good decision. You know, which mode do I pick? Which creature or which card leaves, you know, whatever. Yeah. When's the right time to cast it? I like cards like that. Yeah. Where um, we have to actually make decisions. Yep. Next up is dread wanderer. It's mm-hmm. a two, one for one mana and you can recur it. If you have one or less cards in your hand for three mana, bring it right back to the battlefield. So it's kind of like gutter bones, a couple of different ways to use it. Either like in a sacrifice shell where you're looking to, you know, bring bodies back all the time. I think most of the pieces are here for a reasonable zombie deck. And this is a zombie, so it fits in there. And then you wrote down here mono black aggro. Yeah, so like the pioneer mono black deck, I feel like we have mm-hmm. that whole deck in historic now. Most We're really it, yeah. close to it to it, right? So mm-hmm. you have the one drops of Dread Wanderer, Gutter Bones, and uh, what's his name? Uh, I want to say Knight of the Ebon Legion, but that's the wrong guy. Well, we have Knight of the Ebon Legion. Is it Knight of the Ebon Legion? Okay. I was yeah. thinking Knight of the Ebon Hand then. Yeah, yeah, the one drop, the vampire, and Thoughtseize. Yeah. So that's like the core of that deck. Mm-hmm. And then the three drops, you have Reggie. Yep. And at four, you have like Spawn of Mayhem, which is a secret three, and uh, Rankle. Rankle. And then yep. you have like the Eliminate Heartless Act. And as has been the case with a lot of black decks, the two drop slot is a little lacking, mm-hmm. but you do have, um, but you can find something, but you basically have the, the pioneer deck. Yep, most of it. So that's probably a good deck in the format just because it's a good pioneer deck. Yep. Liliana's mastery. Mm-hmm. It's a five minute enchantment that makes two zombies. And gives all zombies plus one, plus one. Yes. Makes two, three, three zombies for five mana, Yep, which is this, good. Yeah. The standard zombie deck, this was a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if five mana is good enough for historic, but like I said, the standard deck, this was a part of. Mm-hmm. We have Lord of the Accursed. Yep. Another which, part of the zombie deck. Which is a three mana zombie lord. Yep. So now we have three zombie lords. We have this. We have... Do we have we have Death Baron? We have Death Baron, and we have um, Liliana's steward. Yeah, Liliana, no, not steward, whatever, yeah. Uh, disciple. This, yep. He's kind of a lord. He's plus one, plus zero, but he's not a zombie, so he doesn't help. He doesn't get helped by the other lord effects. Yeah, that's all right though. Yeah, but yeah, he you, makes zombies. Yeah, and you have again, you have the the one. You have a uh, Crypt Breaker as well as yep. a zombie. Yep. So you have enough kind of food there to make that um, to to make that work. Mm-hmm. Next, we up, also yep. Go ahead. Know, say next step is a card that I really wanted to make work. I have a stack of in real life. I have a stack of foils. <laughs> oh, you got me beat. Uh, yeah, it's Shadow of the Grave. Yeah, so it's one mana return every card you discarded this turn to your hand. Like yeah, or like. I think it's one in the black instant return every card that was discarded or cycled or just discarded from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah. So 
the idea is like, okay, you go through your whole, you like cycle a bunch of stuff, then you spend two mana to put everything back in your hand. Yep. Now there's enough cycling stuff. It's just a question of now, what do I do with this? Right. Like, you know, is it zombie infestation? Make a bunch of zombies, bring everything back, make a bunch oh, of more zombies. Shit. That's cute. I hadn't even thought of that. I just thought of it right now. Yeah. That's why I'm a podcast host. Boom. Uh, <laughs> but like, it goes both ways. I told yeah, you. You could like turn to zombie infestation past the turn. Yeah. And then turn uh turn three on their end step just like make a zombie make a zombie make a zombie mm-hmm. bring them all back zombie zombie yeah. zombie be like i hope this is good enough yeah i mean it works with drana stinger too right if you got a couple of drana stingers out you can yeah, burn you somebody out over the course of like two turns yeah so this is an interesting card i don't know if i would go out and spend my wild cards on it right away but it's a card yeah. that could do something goofy at some point if not like a high tier competitive deck it could just be a fun deck. Right. Funsies. And then I, we got the uh the big daddy talk of the set, right? Yes. So uh thought this, seeds. Uh hands down, I've not played any historic. This is the best card in historic. Well, it's I mean there's arguments to say that it's the best card in Pioneer. And if it's the best card in Pioneer, it's probably also the best card in Historic. Exactly. It's what holds that mono black aggro deck together. Yeah. It's why it doesn't get clowned by combo as just like a bunch of derpy creatures or get like wrathed into the ground. It's because it has Thoughtseize. Mm -hmm. So this was the first card I think I spent my wild cards on when I was doing uh, going through and getting stuff from Amonkhet I wanted. Uh, mine was collected company. Oh, I was just like four thought seasons. Let's go. <laughs> but you had Let's a start there. you had a deck you were building. I just I took, did. Yeah, I just took four thought seasons because I was like, I'm going to play these at some point. Yes, might as well get in now. Yep. So I don't have to be like, why don't I have thought seasons? And be like, oh wait, no, I already have my thought seasons. I'm good. Yeah. Again, you know, I've said it twice this episode already. It's another one of these cards that I really like because it rewards. You know, it provides a lot of decision making and rewards good decision making. And you have then perfect information or near perfect information of what your opponent's hand is. So then you can, in addition to like making the right choice on what card to take, you now for the first like three or four turns can have to know how to sequence your plays around the information that you have. Right. That is something that is good. Right. I mean, it just kind of does everything for you. Yep, sees so play in every format. Every format. Yep. Desert Ceridon is another one mana cycler. It's uh, cycles for red. Yep. Another. It's also com- a big guy if you're trying to reanimate stuff. It's a six four. Six five. Six five six something. It big. Yeah. I mean, yep. did you see the um the hotness that was um? Oh gosh. It's like a seven mana blue card that's from Jumpstart. That when it comes into play, you get to cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. No. And so they, people were doing that, like self mill, and then unburial rightsing that to cast. Uh, what is the mass reanimation spell? Rise of the Dark Realms. Rise of the Dark Realms to like <laughs> hoof people out. Whew. Yeah, I said a lot no of point. words there. It it would just <laughs> it just craziness. Yeah. But that was the like hotness for like. A, a couple days after Historic came out. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. That sounds spicy, though. Yeah, I was like, why Why didn't I think of this? I'm disappointed in myself. 
it was like Merfolk Secret Keepers and Citrus Suppliers, basically all the cards I play. Yeah. And we have Earthshaker Kenra. Yep. This is a super solid red two drop. Yeah, I was gonna say what used to be one of the best red two drops ever. I mean, I it's I mean it's still really good. It is. So it's a one in the red for a two one or a two two. I think it's a two two one two one two one with haste. When it comes into play, target creature can't block, and then it eternalizes for four red red. Right. So early in the game. It's an aggressive 2-1 that gets a blocker out of the way and helps yep. you get damage in. And then it gives you sticking power late in the game by coming back out of your graveyard. And it's a, it mm-hmm. comes back as a 4-4 with haste. Right. That so, makes something not be able to block. Yeah. So it, it just kind of does everything that you want mm-hmm. as a red card. Like I could see that like just the red 2-drop slot in an aggressive mono red deck would just be this and Robber of the Rich. And Absolutely. You're just done with 2-drops. You're like, okay, cool. Yep, we have got some, that wrapped up. Good yeah, job. Yeah, have some ones. I have these eight twos. I have an mm-hmm. annex, and I might play like two hazards, and we're good here. Yep. I don't even know if you play annex though, do you? You might not. You might be too slow and not let you empty your hand out for hazard. I mean, I think I would rather have on crop crasher than. Oh yeah, you know it depends. Like on crop crasher gets you dead, but annex lets you like recover from like. A white sweeper yeah. right so it's kind of like what i guess it's a question of what is the metagame like do you need to get three yeah, creatures no. or yeah. do you need to have that sticking power of having something that lets all your things die into one ones and i mean mm-hmm. and we even forgot uh bone crusher giant is in the discussion for your two slash three mana right creature yeah so yeah there's a lot of things that can be going on there yep. but uh, Earthshaker Kenra is really good, and if you're like playing red aggressive decks, like you should probably have these. Yep. Glorious end is all you, man. <laughs> I I don't think it's good, but I did want to talk about it briefly. Okay. Because we now have two of these cards and Gideon. Okay. So, glorious end ends the turn, right? Yes. Two in a red end the turn, and then you lose at the beginning of your next end step. Yes. So it's like a three mana red time walk. Or is that chance for glory ends the turn? One of them ends the turn and one of them gives you another turn, which like they're both basically the same thing. And then you lose the game at the end of your next turn. But we have Gideon so that you don't lose the game. And we have Platinum Angel so you don't lose the game. Yeah, so glorious end is end the turn. Okay. And then at the beginning of your next end step, you lose the game. Yeah, and then glorious and uh, chance for glory is take another turn, lose the game. Yeah. So, again, this card, what you just said, has a soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, against the odds, time everyone. <laughs> this is Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive. Yeah. Um. So this was already like a deck that he had played where you play uh Lord Dracus. Yeah. Tails end. Okay. And yeah, um uh, uh Vadrock. Yep. So like you chance for glory, take an extra turn, and then on the next turn you would either trigger the uh, you would either tails end the the trigger. Yeah. That loses the game or you would, you know, take another turn. Right. 
uh, or like mutate onto something and cast stuff. Now you have eight of this effect that mm-hmm. you can then, you know, just chain together. Be like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, on your turn, end the turn. Yep. Or this also gives you, um, you know, you can end their turn, but like if you don't have a, if you don't have a tail's end mm-hmm. that turn, right? You just glorious end. Right. So that your chance for glory doesn't kill you. Right. And then you get another draw step to try again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this could be like, it could be a goofy thing. Now that we're talking about it, I'm like, I could, I could put this together. <laughs> it's a mythic, which I'm a little more hesitant to burn mythic wild cards. Really? I'm more hesitant to burn rare wild cards and mythic wild cards. I've I'm got like, like plum out of rares and I have like six mythics left, I think. I have like 220 rare wild cards. Whew. And I think I have like 80 mythic wild cards. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like yeah. 80. You can't spare four, huh? Hey, man. <laughs> hey, man. You, you don't get the 80 mythic wild cards for just willy nilly buying mythics all the time. <laughs> all so, right. I mean, if you're not going to play limited for this set, then you got to get them somehow. I mean, that's what I ended up doing is I spent a bunch of my wild cards on that stuff. Yeah. All right. So next. Perhaps one of the best five mana red creatures ever printed. Um, it's up there. It is up there, yeah. And that's Glorybringer. Yeah, I have very fond memories of this card because for the was it game day? It was game day. You and me and Cameron and, and Anthony. somebody else, Anthony. Yeah, we went around to like every single game day within half an hour of here. Half an hour. We, in- we went to Wilmington. Oh, yeah, that's right. We did go to Wilmington. We went to Wilmington, and then yeah. on the way back, we stopped at Player's Choice. <laughs> and then the next yeah. day, we did, like, two more. Yeah. So we could get play sets of the game day promo Glory Bringer. It was great. Yeah, Card it was Card was ridiculous. Yeah, card still is ridiculous. Yeah, so it's, like I said, five mana, three red red for a 4-4 four, yep. four flying haste with exert. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. exert it deals four damage to target non-dragon creature. Right. The non-dragon clause is so that <laughs> your opponent's glory bringer doesn't get to eat your glory bringer after yeah. you ate one of their things, because then the game would just end. <laughs> it would just be like, oh, yeah. you ate my glory bringer. Mm, I guess I don't have <laughs> my glory bringer. Yeah. Or like you would just have turns. It was like exert, kill your glory bringer. Exert, kill your glory bringer. No, I'm gonna exert my glory bringer. Yeah, it would just be a mess. Yeah. So, yeah, Glorybringer. Yeah, if like a red mid range deck is viable, Glorybringer mm-hmm. plays some part in that deck. Yep. Even like big red. Yeah, like a big like I guess as the kids call it these days, chunky red. Sure. If we if we if we have the chunk people. Oh, these kids. These kids and their chunks. About these kids. These kids and their chunks. I know. Yeah. Next up, we have Hazaret. Mm-hmm. Hazard the Fervent, right? Hazard the Fervent, yeah. I totally misevaluated this card when it was spoiled. It's mm-hmm. three and a red for a 5-4 yep. haste that can't attack or block. Indestructible. That can't attack or block yep. unless you have one or fewer cards in your hand. Correct. And uh, I was like, who wants to play a card that can't attack or block if you don't have cards in your hand? Uh, the answer was everyone. Everybody. To the point of, they'd be like, well, Mulligan to six here, that's probably good because it's going to turn on their Hazarets faster. Yeah. And yeah, like the red decks were just like, 
one, two, three has a red attack. And mm-hmm. sometimes you just died. A lot of times you just like, died. Right there, you're just like, oh, I guess I'm dead. Yep. And it, like, Hazaret kind of warped the removal suite also because you needed to have some way to exile it because you couldn't just kill it. It was that, were we playing Vraska's Contempt for that? Or was yep. it, yeah. Or Vraska's Contempt. Next up, we have Soul Scar Mage. Mm-hmm. So one mana, one, two, prowess. Yeah, whenever non-combat damage is non-combat dealt to okay. opponent's creatures, it's dealt in the form of Negwin Negwin counters. So it lets you get around things that are indestructible. Yep. And like Hazaret. Like Hazaret. And is just like a really strong early clock. Yeah. It also plays really well with Chain Whirler because you just like neg one, neg one, they're bored. Yeah. Forever. And you have here that Burn looks good. Burn looks really good. Yeah. I guess if you wouldn't have an argument on why they didn't put Lightning Bolt and Chain Lightning in the format. It's because they were doing Amonkhet Remastered. <laughs> Yeah, like you would, I think the the red decks would just be the only thing that got played. Yeah. Like, I have like four different red decks built that are all like have the same core, but they're all, you know, different sizes, I guess. Like one's super aggro, one's like a little bit bigger, and then one's like big red or chunky red or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played any of them yet, but I really like the direction that they're headed in. Yeah, they're. They have some red, strong red cards in this set for sure. Yep. Uh, next up is Collected Company, affectionately known yep. as Coco. Yep, we touched on this a little bit already. There's been a couple different lists that some streamers have be- brewed using Collected Company. Currently, it's fueling like the Jund. They're calling it like Jund Sacrifice or Jund Company. But that's the deck that I played the most of this weekend, and it really feels more like a rally deck than like a sacrifice aristocraty, whatever. We'll talk more about that in the next section. But collected companies a great way to get value. It requires you to build your deck a little specifically. Um, it's three and a green for an instant, and you look at the top six cards of your library, and you get to put two cards with or two creatures with CMC three or less onto the battlefield. It introduces a little bit of variance because mm-hmm. sometimes you do it and you get like an elf. Mm-hmm. You got a four mana instant speed elf, but right. then other times you just like annihilate your opponent's board. Right. And your opponent doesn't doesn't know what you're going to get and you don't know what you're going to get. It could just be like, oh, I guess the game ended now. Mm-hmm. Or like either for you because you put six power worth of stuff, six mana worth of stuff on the board and bounced a creature, ate something else, and just, you know, did something absurd. Or your opponent could win because you spent four mana and got nothing. (laughs) Yep. So these decks are oftentimes kind of like built like goblins, where it's four collected companies and, you know, uh, 36 creatures. Yep. Or, you know, 32 creatures, because you need to make sure you have enough uh, hits for a collected company. Yeah, and they've all got to be... Uh, three CMC or less. Right. But there's a lot of things that come into the battlefield and do a thing mm-hmm. at three mana. So yep. Risen Reef, Uro, Baron, Knight of Autumn, yep. Nahimbi. Yep. She's two mana. But there's a lot of stuff that just comes in and does, has a very positive effect. Croxa. Uh, mm-hmm. Croxa. Yeah. Yep. Hit two Croxas, you discard two cards. <laughs> 
I got nothing. I paid a four mana him to Turok, but yeah, we did. Yeah, you did. Uh, next up is Hornet Queen, and you again got there before I did. We're like, hey, <laughs> this is this is a seven drop that Luca could go put it into play. It sure is. I haven't seen anybody doing this yet, so I don't know if it's strong enough. But I mean, what's funny is is it makes tokens for you to Luca again. It does. So you're like Luca into my Hornet Queen, Luca into Hornet Queen again. Mm-hmm. Or you have like you like really really roll the dice and you have a hornet queen and a crater hoof and you're like I hope I hit <laughs> hornet queen then then hoof not the other right. way around. Well, you could do a couple hornet queens and then a hoof. Yeah, like three hornet queens and a hoof. Yeah, just like all right, here we go. But yeah, Let's no, it's a good this. card to put in with Luca. I think um, it also works pretty good with the pig. Ilharg. Il- yeah. Yeah, Ilharg. Because you just put it into play every turn and make a swarm of death touchers. Yeah. And it's just like a good thing for um, kind of a traditional like non-white ramp deck yeah. where it is a way for you to stabilize the board. Mm-hmm. Right. As opposed to casting Wrath of God or Shadow of the Sky, you just right. cast like five death touchers. Yep. You you know, spend seven mana to gum up the board for it. Yeah, for like ever. And then you have time to like get to your actual big hammer. Yep. Figure out what's happening after that. Speaking of ramp decks. <laughs> yeah, just what we needed more ramp. Hour of Promise. So it's five mana. Go search your library for any two lands. Yep. And put them onto the battlefield. And then if you have two deserts, make two zombos. Just what the deck needs is more zombies. More zombies and more ways to get your field. Yep. So more ways at five mana to hit your fields. Yep. And there are definitely some like reasonably playable deserts. Right. So like that desert clause, like you wouldn't have to have a ton of them, but you could have like, you know, three or four. And if you Mm -hmm. already have your field, you could just be like our get two deserts. Make two zombies, or is it two deserts or three deserts? Maybe it's three deserts. I think it's two. Right, but make your two zombies and then turn on your field. Right. Right. Um, A lot of times when I've seen this card cast, it's cast on turn six, and you just get two fields and then make four zombies. Ugh. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. That seems awful. Yeah. Next up is Bronus. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, three so, mana, five five. I think. Yeah, and it can't indestructible, can't attack unless you have yep. a creature power four or greater. Yep. Um, and then and give something plus two plus two and trample. I think something like that. Yeah. Now something uh, something that's not him. He can't right. target himself. I think the four mana clause mm-hmm. was a bigger deal. Yeah. When mana uh, when magic was a simpler. Right. Right, but. Like, now you just have the curve of Elf into Ronus into Questing Beast. Attack for nine. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, like, turn turn three in green, take nine. Right. And then they're like, ha, kill your Questing Beast. And you're like, cool. I'll play this stupid three-mana four-four. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, oh, gosh. Uh, I guess you have three of them, right? Because you have, or two of them, because you have uh, the legendary guy. What is his name? Yervo? Oh yeah, you got Yorvo, you got Steel Leaf, Steel Leaf Champion, Champion, and you have uh, 
Garrick's Harbinger too. You got right. Yeah, so you just have like a pile of four of three mana, uh, four, uh, casting cost things. Hey, that uh, sounds like a company things. deck. Yeah, like you just company into you're just like end of turn, put nine power on the board. At least go. nine power. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Because if you hit Yorvo with a company, if you hit like Yorvo, uh, Ronus with a company, you get like a doesn't, you get, doesn't he get a counter? He should or two counters. He should get two counters because it's green. Yeah. Right, and then you play Questing Beast and you just finish them. Yeah. And swing for all of it. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> what are you at, 20? Okay, good game. <laughs> yeah, not anymore, good sir. Yeah. Yeah, like, if you do that, like, you should... There should be an emote that is just uh, Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat saying, finish him. <laughs> like, finish you, that, him. Should, that should just be, like, what the what the animation is for the card. If you hit, <laughs> If you get that combination... If you put yeah. more than 10 power on the board, it should finish him. <laughs> also, uh, Rotting Regisaur costs three mana. Whew. Instant speed Regis? Yeah. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Your opponent attacks like a fool, and you're just like, <laughs> ha, surprise Regi? Ronus Regisaur. Block, block. <laughs> What's Go the to... best kind of Regisaur? The surprise one. Exactly. Go to... Go to uh, a combat on my turn. <laughs> Take 12. Right. Dead you. Dead you. How, how's that feel? Does yeah. it feel awful? I think it should feel awful. Chef at Monitor. This is the, like, better... What's that? What's that stupid cube card? Oh, I don't know. It, like, it cycles for, like, two and a green, and it gets a land, it puts it in your hand. I forget what it's called. But Chef at Monitor is, like, a six mana... Six five or something, something yeah. But also has three in a green cycle. Search your land for a deck. Put it in. Search your land for a deck. Search your deck for a land. <laughs> yeah, put it in play. Hey Forrest, you got a deck inside you? <laughs> That's not how the card works. And you put it into play, so it, yeah. it ramps you and draws you a card. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has the like backup of when you get to six mana. It's just a big dumb idiot. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is that, like, cultivates in standard now. Like, is cultivate just better than this? I know they're two basics, but is one more mana worth? I guess it's one mana and a creature in the graveyard. Yeah, for like an Uro, or yeah. or ice, or whatever the creature would matter for. Yeah. I don't know. It is it is competing with so many good with, ramp spells with cultivate migratory path like yeah. any number of four mana ramp spells if right. you're just using it as four mana ramp spell if you don't care about the like creature split card half of it right then yeah like I think cultivate or migratory path are just better but yeah. it's something it's something to to you know know that is in there and that you could mess with or try mm-hmm. yep. So Sphinx's Rev. Mm-hmm. So this is is it white white blue, or blue blue white? Uh, I don't know now. Okay, it's white blue blue. White blue blue. Okay. Yeah. X draw X cards gain X life. This right. was like the soul crushing backbone of blue white control from six years ago. <laughs> yeah. Card R T R Thero standard. Yeah. Card was is very strong. It's an instant. And so it gives the control player the I'm going to hold up counter spell 
oh right. wait, you didn't you didn't give me anything to counter. I'm just yeah. going to draw four cards. And gain four life. Yeah, and just like stabilize. It's if there's like a strong if there's just a hard blue white control deck, this some number go in. Probably not four. Because right. I think there's a, a lot of things that use your mana well. Mm-hmm. But like it also strangely competes with um Hydroid Crisis. Yeah, if you're like Bant. If you're Bant or something where where yeah, like the card draw life gain can't be countered from Crisis yeah. and Crisis yep. also just doubles as a win con. Right. And on four yeah, mana, like, you get the same thing. In like this blue white deck though, like you don't necessarily want the Crisis because you're gonna win with approach. Yeah, true. And it just gets you closer to your approach. Yeah. I think that there's certainly a lot more pieces for blue white now than there were. Yeah, I think that's something that clearly with Wrath of God and Sphinx's Rev that they're trying yeah. to push. It's just funny, like they took three minutes to ferry out of the format. <laughs> and maybe yeah. maybe it was just because like we can't give them five minutes yeah. to ferry, four minutes to ferry, three minutes to ferry, Sphinx's Rev and Wrath. Like yeah. it's just just too many things. And censor. And censor, yeah, there's just too much to give them, so we've got to take something away. Right. This next one is a Wayward Servant, black-white for a 2-2, and when a zombie comes into play, you ping your opponent for one. Mm-hmm. So this uh, combines well with Corpse Knight. Mm-hmm. So when like the mass reanimation uh, decks come to uh, Historic or Pioneer, so things like Rally the Ancestors, yeah, or what is it? Is it uh, Return to the Ranks? Yep. Where you're able to put, you know, five things from your graveyard onto the battlefield, all these triggers add up and get you a dead person. Right. Very quickly. Yes. So this is like if you want to play like black white zombies or like have some way to like recur your zombies. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the uh, the card for you. Yep. Yeah, I can't think of like. I guess like Call of the Death Dweller kind of lets you get two triggers. Like you get to get back yeah, a Wayward Servant plus like a Citrus Supplier. Both of these things lose a life or drain though, right? It's you gain a life and your opponent loses a life. I think. I'm not 100% sure. I think one might drain and one doesn't. I don't remember though. Because we do have um, Command the Dreadhorde. Yeah, like you could, you could do something. Six mana is a lot, but yeah, you could definitely just like play a game where you're just trying to command someone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, six men is a lot, but we also have priest. Yeah. Which ramps you like you sack two of your guys Yeah, to, to get yourself two extra mana on, yeah. on four. So as opposed to like trying to ramp into bolts to Citadel, you just try to ramp into dead. Mm-hmm. You're dead. You're dead. Which I can get behind you dead. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here for you dead. Yep. So, we have Gate to the Afterlife and Godfarer's Gift. Yeah, which, we're going to talk about this in just a minute, so we don't have to go super deep right now. But, but. this is just like an, a new archetype in the format, if it is good. Right. Yep. So if you're going to burn wild cards, you don't need four Godfarer's Gifts. Uh, no, with, no. Like with every gate. list only ever played two. Yeah. You play two, and that's all you ever need. Right. And then the last card here is hollow one mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if this is good enough or not but again I just uh, hollow one is, is discard so again mm-hmm. zombie infestation 
That's true. Discard, discard. Put nine power on the board on turn two. Is this good enough? Hmm. And God forbid if you have two hollow ones. You also... Yes, if you use zombie infestation, you get Crypt Breaker. Uh-huh. So you can turn your zombies into more stuff. Yeah. Something worth thinking about, I guess. Yeah. We're really asking zombie infestation to do a lot here. <laughs> so More than I think anybody ever asked zombie infestation to do. Yes. The problem with zombie infestation, other than is being zombie infestation, <laughs> other than it being bad, <laughs> is... You know what else I ran into as I was cycling through my deck? What's that? Waste Knot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what you can't beat when you have to cycle all your stuff? Oh, Waste Knot. Yeah. You know what else yeah. you can't beat? Narset. Yeah. Oof. Just <laughs> oof. 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 All right. Yeah. So there's kind of all the cards that like caught our eyes like, hey, these aren't just like jaff, draft chaff. Or, mm-hmm. like, draft rares. These are actually, like, playable in Historic and in the future Pioneer. Right. And just, and, like, the decks that they might go into. So, again, you can, like, look around and be like, oh, yeah, this deck might be interesting. I want to work towards this. Yeah. And, like, there are things to keep an eye out for while you're drafting the set. Um, there, Like we said, there's things that maybe you want to put some wild cards into. And... Like I said, when we started this, is I posted this in our Discord just as a quick list last week. I thought it would be neat to kind of, you know, go a little bit more in depth about some of them. And so that's why we're talking about it today. But um, that is a, another reason to hop into our Discord is you get access to, you know, some fun stuff like this. Yeah. So, all right. So you spent some time playing Historic. I did. Yep. That's what I did for a good chunk of this weekend. So um, what have we learned? We learned that Historic is kind of a cool place right now. There's a whole lot of different stuff you can do. I kind of broke down some of the most popular archetypes. Not necessarily that I ran across, but stuff that I saw and stuff that I'd seen, like multiple content creators talking about, multiple pros talking about. So just some new archetypes for the format. And again, we had just talked about some of this stuff, but we can talk about the specific archetypes and kind of what cards fall into them and what they're trying to do. First up is the Field of the Dead decks. For some reason, the only format that Field of the Dead is still legal in is historic, and you still get to play it. And now it has our promise. So it does all the same stuff that Field of the Dead decks were doing, plus now it has another ramp spell, tutor, tutor spell. Yeah. I, I do not understand why this card is still legal in historic well i guess it's only banned in standard and pioneer that's true but like it seems weird with historic fitting in between right that we thought that field of the dead was okay in in the format in between standard and pioneer yeah it's like too good for the smaller card pool too yeah. good for the bigger card pull, but just right <laughs> just for the right medium for card pull. Yeah, it's like oh, we put virulent format. Yeah, we put virulent plague in one of the uh, products, so it's fine to unban Field of the Dead. It's like, well, that would require people to play virulent plague. <laughs> Why would I, they do I, that? People were playing it. I they, had somebody sideboarded it in against me when I was playing uh, Jun Company. 
Yeah, they have to. Like, it's so weird to yeah. be like, I have to burn two to three sideboard card uh, cards to beat a land. Right. Seems weird, but yeah. So the field decks, same as they ever were. Right, is hard to get yep. under them and hard to get over them. Yeah. Um, you know just, what really doesn't care about Field of the Dead? Uh, Dad's house. Dad's house. Yeah. Like when you're when you just don't care about combat and you're just gonna kill somebody all in one turn. Yeah. Um, like I said, we're talking about Jun Company here, and uh, I played probably more with Jun Company than I did any other deck this weekend. Although I did try like a couple different decks out. Jun Company plays a lot like Rally does because you get. You know, you get your your value creatures that you're playing from hand. You get your companies to kind of start your engine. And then instead of casting a Rally of the Ancestors, you're casting Bolas' Citadel where you're just chaining stuff off the top of your deck until you end up with, you know, two or three Blood, Lars, blood Artist effects. And then you can either sack everything to Woe Strider or you activate the Citadel and just one-shot them. Yeah. Lots of games ended just one-shotting them with Citadel. Fire up the old Death Ray. Yeah, take 40. Good, yep. good talk. Yeah, no, yep. I think that, I mean, again, uh, like we talked about a while back, right? Mm-hmm. I think any deck that, like, you can port in any reasonable uh, form from yeah. Pioneer into Historic is going to be good. It's going to be a little different now with the Jumpstart cards because there's just, like, this right. whole weird, random super powerful stuff. Yeah, this whole weird pile of cards that makes no sense. But for the most part, like, if it's good enough for Pioneer, if you can get 80 or 90% of it in Historic, it's probably good enough for Historic. Yeah. And it just gives you a chance to, you know, practice with that deck for when right. Pioneer, when we get to play Pioneer again in person. Right. The Jun Company list that I was playing was kind of playing some stinkers, and I'm open to ideas if people have got better ideas. Um, I was playing. Grim Initiate, Initiate is a one-drop, the guy that dies and then leaves behind a zombie army token. And I was also playing Yevamiah Sapherd is a three-drop that, you know, makes a body when it enters because you're looking for, you know, an amount of bodies to sacrifice when you're trying to go off. I almost think that the list doesn't care about leaving bodies behind when it starts to go off. And maybe I should just play some more powerful cards when I had put the deck down, I was on Legion War Bosses in the three mana slot, and I don't think I put anything else in the one mana slot. I hadn't found anything else that I wanted to try there, but I could see trying um, like Knight of the Ebon Legion or something there. Just being a little more aggressive so that when you like draw your Citadel, they're at yeah. 10. Yeah, or like just not having to rely on, you know, the company Citadel plan. Like if you have some actual real creatures, then like sometimes you don't need, you know, the combo finish. Yeah, you just have like a, you don't, you have a reasonable beatdown plan. Right. If you company and hit, you know, two Legion War Bosses, then like the game's going to be over in a couple turns and it doesn't matter if, you know, you don't find your Citadel or don't find your Sack Outlet or whatever. Whereas yeah. if you hit two Yevamaya Sap Herds, the game probably just ended and your opponent won. <laughs> yeah, you, you're like, but I put, played four mana for six, six worth of stats. You did, but they were you did. Sappers. <laughs> but your four mana for six, six worth of stats didn't draw a card, gain three life, and ramp you. Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm sad now. 
Um, yeah. So this seems interesting and it's like, it's right up your like play style. Yeah, absolutely. So next up is what I tried, which is God Pharaoh's gift. Uh, mm-hmm. you have all everyone else's builds and I feel bad. So, uh, <laughs> so you have Emery with stone coil and chamber Sentry. So yeah. like, uh, gate to the afterlife is three mana. And when a creature dies, you get to gain a life and you get to loot. And yep, correct, so, correct, discard. yeah. So zero mana creatures that die right away, let you loot through your deck and stone right. coil and chamber Sentry, Yay. They get to do mm-hmm. that. And they play really well with gate. I had not yeah. tried that. Um, um, Emery also lets you replay your stone coil and chamber sentry for zero to loot more. Yeah. Which is worth noting. And fills and, your graveyard. Yeah. And fills your graveyard. And Emery also lets you play any gates that you've milled. If you're looking for a gate. Yes. These are all good things. I had not tried yeah. Emery. Yeah. Uh, then you have the combat celebrant, which is two and a red for a four one. When it attacks, you can exert it. Mm-hmm. and uh, take an additional combat, uh, untap all of the creatures other than combat celebrant and yeah. uh, take an additional combat step. So if yep. you have multiple combat celebrants, you just start to... Take, you get all of the attack phases. Yeah, you just keep attacking with four fours indefinitely. Usually yep. three wins the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have here combat celebrant, spark double, and vizier of many faces, and quasi... Uh, Replicate if you just want to combat celebrant followed by make a million combat celebrants. Right. Because if the first one lives, you take another combat step, which then triggers your uh, your God Pharaoh's gift, mm-hmm. which then you bring in a spark double that lets right. you copy, exert that one, untap right. the, and eventually you just like will go through uh, all mm-hmm. the combat steps. I hadn't yep. tried that either. Okay. <laughs> what did I try? I tried uh, to cycle. So, so I didn't know that you were working on this deck when I wrote these notes. I might have been nicer. Oh, no, no, no. So I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote out both of those. And then as a number three, I said, I was also thinking about cycling, but I don't know if that's actually a deck. Did you did you see like my my thing when I was like, uh, did this play God? For, there we go. Champion of Wits for God Pharaoh's gift. Which I played and got clowned. Yeah. Yes, that's how I incinerated my rank. I think that the, in all honesty, like you do hit your gate to the afterlife pretty consistently because you're going to see a ton of cards. Right. But the problem is, is the format just seems too fast. Mm -hmm. So you're not doing anything that affects the board. Now, granted, right. I was playing some best. I was playing best of one, but you're not doing anything that affects the board, so yeah. you can get run over. And then you have the horror stories that I brought up, where if they're not, if you're on the draw, let's say, and you have it rolled up that you're going to win on turn five, mm-hmm. they hour of promise get a bajuka bug, right? And now you die, right? And you, right, nothing. you have nothing. So there's, I think there's a, a lot of issues with just, there's a lot of ways to like attack the deck, either through aggression or just by, you know, random graveyard hate. Yeah. Like the deck really needs a gate. If you don't have a gate, the deck doesn't function. And yeah. we have thought seize. We have thought seize. I think that the, 
like the the zero mana creature version is way more in on having a gate than the cyclic version. Because that's they, true. If they take your gate, you're like, okay, that sucks. I have three or four turns to try to find another gate and set back up. Yeah. And I'm going to see 15 cards. So yeah. I have a decent chance of finding a gate. But the problem is, is if they have like any kind of clock, mm-hmm. right? If they go like double Knight of the Ebon Legion into Reggie, yeah. right? You're dead on turn four or five. Yep. Right. You don't have time to do your thing because you just die. Mm-hmm. So maybe these other versions are better, but I just found that I was spending my mana every turn to cycle mm-hmm. and then being dead. Yeah. And I was like, well, well, this is no fun. <laughs> I do not like this. You should just be playing cycling then. I should. Uh, cycling at least has a catch up mechanism. Which is Zenith Flare you for all of it. Right. I think the big problem with cycling, uh, well, big problem is strong, but like the, like maybe the two payoffs you want, right? Maybe like the, the aggressive payoffs of Flourishing Fox and then, um, what's he called? Fiend Artisan, if we want to call that like a cycling card. Yeah. The cyclers in Amonkhet were a little bit better designed. Right. They had like a ma- they all had a a mana cost that was colored, or mm-hmm. two. It was right. one of a color or two colorless for all the cyclers, mm-hmm. and the cycling deck doesn't want two mana cyclers, so you're kind of locked in on the ones that have a color, which yeah. then makes it harder for you to branch out into black. Yeah, because you can't play like Horror the Broken Land, which is a a good card it's a good one mana cycler and it's mm-hmm. a creature so you're not playing like you know what, cards that you're never going to cast yeah frost ambush or whatever that is yeah that you're yeah. that are blue that just yeah. cycle for one that aren't creatures but you don't have you don't have enough cards that are just one mana cycle right but you could maybe make the deck blacker mm-hmm. and just blacker like, blacker <laughs> but and then and then just like splash the red activation the, yeah. the red the red for zenith flare mm-hmm. and like casting a couple like, red spells yeah mardu but just like super light yeah red. where you just have like you play the 12 shock lands yeah and that's really it maybe you play yeah. like two triomes or something mm-hmm. and, and you're it, just like a hyper aggro deck yeah where you you want like a draw you want to keep a hand that is flourishing fox or fiend artisan yeah. and creature cyclers you get vile manifestation too if you're black. Yeah, it's what's a one in the black for a O one? It's a zero four. Zero four, and it gets plus one plus one for each card with cycling. Plus one plus O. Plus one plus O. Yeah. Yep. So it gets and bigger. It cycles. Yeah. It cycles for two. Yep. So it's kind of like the the Valiant Rescuer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, where you could, you might just be able to play like three things that want you to put creature cycle creatures into your graveyard. Mm-hmm. All your cyclers are creatures. Yep. And then you go, you have the backup plan of Zenith, Zenith Flare. So you have like, you know, this, you just make a bunch of big bodies. Mm-hmm. And I guess Vile Manifestation is good against uh, any kind of like red aggressive deck. You're just like, oh, four. Yeah. Block. What are you going to do? I will cast block. Yeah. I will cast block. And the next turn, I will cast block that is a three, four. Right. And now you can't ever attack me again. 
Mm-hmm. So no, I I like I might mess around with that. Yeah. No, I um, dig it. I haven't seen anybody messing with it. It is something that I was thinking about though. There's all like you also might have like a mid rangey combo version with like Archfiend and you know Zenith Flare and you know some stuff that you know cycles for value instead of just cycles to cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all the historic stuff. Like now I kind of want to try cycling and I also want to uh, be my inner saffron olive and get four glorious ends and just like <laughs> smush like Jess guy take all the turns. Yeah. Like, it's a thing I think you can do. Yeah. Like three mana, like cool. Like yeah. end your turn. Now I'm going to tails end to save it. Now I'm going to be up a land drop on you. Like, you know, just make glorious end like a three mana explore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in red white in red white in yeah jessica. jessica yeah man oh we we skipped over mono red oh we did yeah um, i mean there's not a whole lot to say that we haven't already said but you get all of the best cards from one of the best mono red decks that ever existed plus, plus two of the best mono red cards that ever existed <laughs> yeah i think the the only card that would make this deck better is bomat courier or like bolt chain lightning that they didn't put in the yeah. format. Well, yeah, that yeah. Format's not going to get bolt chain lightning, but but yeah, no, I think that it is definitely like for the last three or four years, mm-hmm. there has been a mono red deck that has been at the top of the standard format or close to it. Yep, like all the time it was it might get pushed out a little bit, but it was always just right there. And you get to take basically your pick of all of those cards and build a mono red deck the way you want, where it's either has a little more sticking power or is a little more explosive or, or however you want to build it. You have all the tools, like any version of mono red you want to build, you have access to. Mm -hmm. And I guess, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say the one card that we didn't talk about that is a huge pickup is Remunap Ruins. Yeah. Like that card was good enough to be banned in standard. Yeah. So that, it just that... gives the deck so much reach for like zero deck building cost because you just replace a mountain with it. Yeah. And it, you know, it's fine. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you think that we have Rampaging Ferocidon. Right. Yeah. That's another card that um, I've a lot of lists I've seen are playing. Yeah, so you just have, you basically have the best tools for mono red that you could have. Oh, Ferocidon just makes it so that field decks can't win, right? I mean, they they just deal themselves a ton of damage. Yeah, I mean, if you get in, you know, fourteen points of damage by the time they get an active they, field, yeah, they can't stabilize. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, there we go. We might have broke it and not had to play Virulent Plague. Boom. <laughs> got there yeah but i think that mono red is probably a very viable deck i think the the downside is just like with like mono euros around right right you are just like having to play like a repeatable healing salve that just becomes you know a thing that you can never kill what well, doesn't for stop left gain yeah i guess if you get your ferocidon down first you're just fine then yeah i guess we've covered all of arena stuff yeah, there's not a whole lot else going on on Arena other than standards the same and historics all new. Yeah, and they've kind of changed the 
deck interface a little bit. Oh yeah, the white numbers. Okay, I don't know if I saw the white numbers. I think no, I did see that in pictures. I was just like weirded out because like I was like, where did all my decks go? Because like it was just like now it's like historic and standard or toggle at the top. And I like saved a bunch of jumpstart decks for some reason, and so now all my historic decks are actually under the stupid jumpstart decks. <laughs> Oops. And I'm like, why? Yeah, so we've given you all your sweet, sweet arena content. Oh, yeah. So, with that, I think we have a show. I think we have a show. So you can get at us on Twitter at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can also shoot us an email at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Don't forget, if you're looking to pick up any singles, any of you out there that are looking to pick up the borderless uh, 2XM singles, the window's probably closing relatively soon on them, so I would suggest you grab them sooner rather than later. If you're going to do that, don't forget to follow our TCG player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link, we will get a small percentage of to help keep the show going. If you want to support us a little bit more directly and get access to our super sweet pre-show and our show notes, uh, you can do so at patreon.com slash casual tryhard MTG. And don't forget about our discord where we kind of already gave you an outline for a good chunk of this episode last week, a little early. So check us out there. Um, just a reminder, Content's probably going to be lacking a little bit for the next couple of weeks. Be a really good time if there's anything you guys want to hear about in particular, whether it's you know strategy stuff or new player stuff or collection building stuff or whatever it is. Next couple of weeks are probably a pretty good time for that. So any of the above ways to get a hold of us, make sure you shoot us a message and let us know what you want to hear about. Sounds good. I was just going to ask you if you got anything else this week. No, I don't think so. So with that, we'll catch the show and we'll catch you on the internets. Catch you on the interwebs. <laughs> <laughs>